0: Welcome to Health Hats, learning on the journey towards best health. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged, cisgender, old white man of privilege living in a food oasis who can afford many hats and knows a little bit about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. Most people wear hats one at a time, but I wear them all at once. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of healthcare. Let's make some sense of all of this. I was the first male public health nurse in Western Massachusetts in 1976. It was also my first professional nursing job. I had a walking route in inner city Hoyoke, caring for people with physical disabilities. Many people had bed sores. At most, I could see people weekly, but they needed much more help than their families could provide, if they had families. I noticed one of the churches sent parishioners to help out with meals. I quickly realized that I could teach these few local dedicated churchgoers in the neighborhood to help the bedbound people with dressing changes as long as I provided the materials and checked regularly. I didn't know it at the time, but I was supporting community health workers. Many years later, when working with peer support in mental health and substance use recovery, I learned about the professionalism of these dedicated people with lived experience. The professionalism came from lived experience, plus communication and connection skills, and critical and systems thinking. During my work in acute medical settings, like inpatient, emergency, and intensive care, I tried to incorporate more lived experience professionals without much success. Some of my studies to obtain a master's in public health included community health workers. Call them peer professionals, community health workers, CHWs, or promotoras, health promoters. I see similarities. Note, as I understand it, the work is promotion de salud, health promotion. I will alternate here between promotores and promotoras, but mostly use. Promotoras, and the initials CHW, Community Health Workers. Honor the caregivers, help the helpers. I'm delighted to have Russell Bennett as my guest today. Russell Bennett is a strategy and marketing consultant at the Institute for Healthcare Advancement, the IHA. Russ consults with organizations in the health sector, focusing on strategy, marketing, and health literacy. He's based in California and works nationally and in Mexico. Having been raised in Mexico and lived there for 30 years, he's bilingual and bicultural and has served diverse populations at the U.S.-Mexico border. He is attuned to the unique learning and communication needs of many people. Russ was the founding executive director of the U.S.-Mexico Border Health Commission over 20 years ago. And he has worked in the government, corporate, and for-profit. And he has worked in the government, corporate, and not-for-profit sectors. He also founded Latino Health Solutions at United Healthcare, a major health insurance company, and has worked to improve the social determinants of health in several states. Thanks for joining me. I'm delighted to have you. I'm very excited about this this episode and having a chance to talk with you. Why don't we start with you introducing yourself and telling us about you and whatever it is you'd like to share about yourself and your work.
1: Thank you very much, Danny, and, and thanks for inviting me to your uh, podcast. I've Listen to quite a few of them, as I've told you, and I'm very impressed with what you're doing. I myself have been in healthcare for 25, maybe closer to 30 years. I am bilingual and bicultural. I was raised in Mexico and I've worked at the border and around the country for many years, working in government healthcare, in corporate healthcare, and in nonprofit. I'm very committed to the concept of health literacy and of helping people understand and navigate the healthcare system in a way that will be better for them. We have a very complicated healthcare system in the United States, and we've no need to go into that, but it can be so much better for people if they understand not only their healthcare needs, but the resources that they can find in the system. So in addition to health literacy, I'm interested in the social determinants of health. And suffice it to say, if I can be of service to people, if I can help, I'm really happy to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, I don't wanna to talk to you too much about health literacy directly, but rather indirectly. Okay. And what, it, what interested me when I learned about some of the work you do is the work that you do with community health workers. Of course. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what is a community health worker? Yeah, what's a community health worker?
1: I'm going to make a little bit of a distinction between a community health worker and a promotor, the word in Spanish for health promoter, and most of them being women. They're called promotoras in many cases, even though there are some men. A CHW is a person who is not necessarily licensed, although in some states they are, and they provide health information. They're a bridge between the health professionals, the doctors, the nurses, the hospitals, and community members. What happens is that CHWs are mostly in organizational settings and promotores or promotoras are mostly in community settings. Sometimes they're the same people. A CHW is a promotora. Sometimes they're two different ones. But the importance of a community health worker and a promotor, and and I, I will use the same term now for both of them, now that we've talked a little bit about the distinction of where they work, is that they usually come from the community that they are addressing. So. When, a, when they talk to a family, the family will trust in what they're saying more than they might trust a white coat medical professional who has their best interest in mind and has um, wonderful academic education, but they may not have the ability to translate their learning into the needs Uh, of the understanding of that person. And as you said, indirectly, we're talking about health literacy because the CHW or promotora is a bridge between the level of health literacy of the medical professional and the level of health literacy of the community member. So I
0: have several thoughts. First, in in my world like as I've come up in healthcare I've had considerable experience in behavioral health and that's where I learned to think about lived experience that people have lived experience and i also think that what People with lived experience have is life expertise and life literacy, and that clinicians and the licensed white coats, as you describe them. And it's not pejorative, by the way.
1: What's that? White coat is not pejorative. White coat is is someone I would be very proud to be one. I never got there. Thank you.
0: But I think that that bridge, like we call it health literacy, and I like how you were talking about the various abilities that people have in talking about and understanding health. And so some people have more expertise in medicine and the formal medical part of health and some people have more expertise in the life the community the day-to-day part of health and it's all needed it's all of a package it's very true mm-hmm. so does when you like you've worked in and yeah worked in different types of settings do you think that there's a difference in the approach say in this country to community health workers and the approach in sub-saharan africa or mexico or rural mexico what's the difference in in that
1: so the difference is really interesting and it's something that you know hope we'll have a chance to talk about applying some of that here in the US CHWs outside the US are often utilized in a much broader capacity than we utilize them in the US. They vaccinate, they they extend the, the professional caregiver or the professional, the health professional, they extend that ability further into the community. And they have a lot of, there's a lot of respect for them. There are government programs in Mexico, for example, that utilize to actually provide health services. And that's something that although we're beginning to do in the U.S. in a few states, and we can talk a little bit about what Arizona is doing, for example, it's we haven't fully explored or used the potential of the promotor and the uh, CHW in the U.S., but we could. <laughs>
0: I'm thinking that for the first time, it maybe it may had been yesterday, Talking when, when we're, I was listening to somebody, I don't even remember who at this minute, um, talking about vaccination, and that for this country to get to 75, 80% vaccination rate, we're going to have to use community health workers. We're going to have to train people. I appreciate that. I think that I'm a nurse, and I feel like I I do have a skill set, but there are very few sets that I have in my toolkit that that I need. I needed to have a degree to have to Mm -hmm. learn, like one of those skills, five of those skills can be taught to anybody. And I, I, as a nurse, I always, as a direct care nurse, I was always thinking about who comes to visit or who's at home with that person and what of the skills that I have can I teach so that they can have those because they're with the person who is not feeling well way more than we're going to be with them and it's just interesting in this country that that we don't do that very much and i think it's a part of it is a factor of density of healthcare workers like across the nation across the world so that areas that systematically have less density will use more Community health workers. Just we also to get have those a, skills
1: uh, up. That's true. They get skilled up. So, for example, in Alaska, community health workers and the Indian Nation community uh, calls them Community Health Resources, uh, CHRs. In Alaska, they're authorized and trained to vaccinate for the same reason that you're saying that the number of health workers, especially in rural areas, is fewer and and further between. Right, yeah, and they have been successful with that. In, for example, I work with a a program in Arizona, the regional border health clinics, and they have trained community health workers to draw blood and for blood samples for blood tests. And they say that in two weeks they can train a capable community health worker to do it with all the requirements that we have in the U.S. for drawing blood appropriately and safely. And they could train vaccination, CHWs, to do vaccination in less than the two weeks. And the point that our new government wants to get 100 million vaccinations done in 100 days, I think CHWs could have an important role in in getting that done.
0: Mm-hmm. In in I had a project once that I didn't go to Nigeria, but it was with it, it was the project was in Nigeria and there was community health workers with doing prenatal care
1: mm-hmm. was
0: a big that was the focus of that that initiative. So mm-hmm. one of the things you said that I I want to talk more about was this question of trust. And I imagine that the confluence of the community health worker, the health literacy, the life literacy, the trust, the access, all those really fit together. Can you say a little more about your experience with that? Sure.
1: When I look at at the overall community health worker or promotora role, they're patient advocates, they're educators. They become mentors to the families and the and the young people in the family. They're, of course, outreach workers, and in many cases, they're translators. And when I say translators, they're not just translating the language, in other words, translating what the healthcare professional says in English to Somali or Spanish or whatever, but they're also translating conceptually. It's like when we talk about the translation of basic research into usable life, if you would, into reality. So all of those roles allow them to create trust. And often when a promotora is uh, recruited, the, the clinics that recruit them, the organizations such as, there's one called Visión y Compromiso in California, vision and and commitment is what it means in English. They will go into communities and look for the highly visible, maybe the activists, maybe the opinion leaders, the people who others in the community are already going to for their opinion. They're already going to these folks to help them interpret what the latest news is one of the experiences that was very interesting with promotoras and community health workers in this in the past year was getting out the vote educating people that their vote counts another was on the census educating people that they the importance of being counted the importance of Filling out the forms or of answering the door when Mm -hmm. someone came to them, no matter their immigration status. And I think the promotora as a leader within the community can help to provide information, whether it's on the census, whether it's on vaccination, whether it's on COVID, all of these things. If, if we make an effort and the government makes an effort to get them the resources, to get them the training and to get them the messages that they need to provide and pay them to do it exactly, they will be a very effective way of reaching those, as we call them, hard to reach units or family units or communities.
0: It's so interesting. I was going to ask you the question is that if you were on Biden's COVID response advisory board, what would you recommend? And I think you've started to answer that question already. What else would you, how else would you use community health workers in, in this COVID response, wherever it is, whether it's this country or another country?
1: In In this country, one of the important things is to get approval from local health departments to vaccinate because vaccination just is not authorized if the local health department doesn't doesn't manage it. And that's the way it should be. But the local health departments are authorizing fire departments. uh, They're authorizing EMT and others, and they're overseeing that vaccination. I don't see a reason why they can't train and authorize the promotoras. Uh, as a as an extension, to to that another arm to that group that is out there. One of the things, for example, that promotoras are doing, is when you have drive-through uh, screenings,
0: where yeah.
1: people are coming up to a tent, but they're waiting in line, and they come after a while, they come up to the tent and get a nose swab or or uh, whatever the the test is that they're going to get. Promotoras are able to do all of the preliminary steps, even if they are not trained and authorized to do the nose swab.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I mean,
1: as the car drives up, they're doing the, the screening. They're helping fill out the form. They're helping mm-hmm. the person what's going to happen when they get to the tent. Yeah. And they're building that. We're back to the expression or the importance of trust. They're building that trust so that when the person actually comes in to the the tent and gets their their screen or their test there's there's less fear yeah. there's more acceptance and understanding they've been able to answer the question of when the the report will come back the result will come back mm-hmm. what it means if they get a positive result and mm-hmm. and what they have to do so they're doing some training and education and maybe life literacy, as you're saying, mm-hmm. as they are for that half hour or
0: yeah.
1: you know, time that they're spending in line. And I hope it's only a half hour <laughs> before right. they get into the tent.
0: And it seems like they could also be doing contact tracing. They could also be
1: doing contact tracing. It, it, it seems to me that we've allowed contact tracing to, to get the, the situation has gotten so out of hand with so many infections. If we had been doing contact tracing starting in February of last year, we could have a much better handle on it. Yeah. At this point, right. it's yeah. more difficult. But yes, for, we're talking about the importance, I think, of CHWs, not only in this pandemic, but in future health needs.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: we have, And the other thing is, if a test is positive, then the patient needs counseling, and they need someone to mobilize the resources to address the housing, the food, mm-hmm. the other social determinants of health. Because I think if someone tells you or me that we need to stick close to our house for 14 days, mm-hmm. and we can't go to the other end of the house or see our family, we're still going to eat a couple of times a day. We're still going to be yeah. able to, to live in our home. But what about the people who live a couple of families to a house or a room? Yeah. What about the people who really cannot isolate or if they isolate, they're not going to earn for right. those two weeks? So there, our country has resources for that, but in order to mobilize them. There needs to be someone who is a bridge Mm -hmm. uh, to get those resources, either from the government, from the churches, from whoever is is,
0: uh, providing. Now a word about our sponsor, A Bridge. Use A Bridge to record your doctor visit push the big pink button and record the conversation read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home check out the app at abridge.com a b r i d g e .com or download it on the apple app store or google play store record your healthcare conversations let me know how it went And in your experience, what's been the range of responses that you've faced from licensed professionals being comfortable with community health workers? That's a great question.
1: There have been cases where at the beginning, the licensed professional denigrates or even or just simply doesn't feel that the non-licensed professional is going to be able to help, but in every case that I have seen, once you get them working together, and yeah, it's not that yeah, I've yeah. gotten them working together, but the clinics, like the, the one in Yuma and Somerton in Arizona, the uh, the groups in California, groups in Texas, once you get the working with the licensed professionals. The, the doctors begin to realize that you have fewer or no-shows to medical mm. visits because mm-hmm. the promotoras are either picking them up and driving them to the clinic or encouraging them and showing them why they need to be at the visit. Mm-hmm. Maybe the promotora is providing child care for the woman who otherwise would not be able to go into mm-hmm. uh, to a visit. So, the bottom line is that through creating this understanding of everybody has a role, you create a lot of unity, you create a lot of value. Synergy. And synergy, absolutely. And you create a lot of value for the health system, but also for the health professionals. The group in Arizona did a, a program with United Healthcare a few years back where they were able to prove not only improved health outcomes, but over a six-month period, they saved about a million dollars because people were actually coming to their visits. They were doing their follow-up. They were complying with medical instructions. Yeah. How in our country, only 50% of medication adherence is, or the compliance with medication adherence is fulfilled, if you can raise it from that 50%, people need an understanding that the doctor is not just giving them uh, a medication because he or she thinks it's the right thing, but because it's actually going to cure them. Mm -hmm. And if they, they have the assistance of someone that they trust, the patient will often reduce readmissions. So there's a whole series of things. They'll they'll reduce the use of emergency rooms, the inappropriate use of emergency services. And it helps, that synergy helps to stabilize the use of resources within the healthcare system.
0: Mm -hmm. I wanna ask you one more thing and that is if you if you could control research dollars what kind of research about community health workers would you like to see that would help you in your work or help spread the the value use of community health workers? I think it it builds
1: on what we were just saying. I think not enough research has been done into the the things that we were talking about right now, into how that synergy works and the savings that we can create for the healthcare system by educating and using, by training them. And I think that some of that research budget needs to go directly to the community organizations. We often send research money or the government and the grant-making organizations send the money to a university because they require that there be at least a doctor of public health in order to manage the, uh, the program. But the money might stay at the university and very little of it gets to the community organization, which is actually producing the data, which is actually training the people. So, if we flip that model on its head and we give the money to the to the organization, such as Visione Compromiso in California or the Regional Border Program in in Arizona, if we give them the research money, they can then hire a doctor of uh, public health to, mm-hmm. or even partner with a university to do the analysis of the data. But they're the ones that are creating the data. Mm-hmm. And it would not only raise the the value of the research that's being done and real on the ground research, but it will also raise their own, empower them and raise their own profile within their community and in, in, in for their own satisfaction as well. Russ, what should we have talked about that we didn't? Gosh, there's so much. One of the things is how promotoras work with farm workers. Farm workers seasonally are sometimes bused into communities and the, the farm companies or cooperatives will rent or buy an unused hotel or motel to house them. If, if they can incorporate, and in some places in Arizona, for example, they do, if they can incorporate to help in educating the farm workers about proper sanitation, proper care during the COVID pandemic. Mm. And that's just one of the many places Mm -hmm. where you can use promotoras that they are used in some States, but not necessarily all across. Mm -hmm. So one of the other things that, that perhaps we could address at some point is Picking the successful, excuse me, the successful models of CHW and Promotora deployment and taking those models nationally, doing in Texas or in Chicago what's being done in Arizona. There, there are really, there's, a, there's an annual, for years, there's been an annual uh, Promotora conference and they share uh, best practices but to get major organizations, such as the government, maybe PCORI even, involved in some of these uh, conferences and picking the, because these really are patient-centered, what do you call it, interventions, where if you see that it's successful in one place, then duplicate it where it, it could be. So those are some of the things.
0: that Wow, that's it. great. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been fascinating. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Promotores, Promotoras, Community Health Workers, Peer Support Professionals. How can we manage COVID-19 prevention, acute and chronic physical and emotional care in our communities without them? I don't see it. Our licensed professionals are burning out at an alarming rate. We tend to think of CHWs in developing countries, not here. But look around. Not only do we have care and treatment deserts in urban and rural regions now, Those deserts are also growing larger every day. Look around you, it could be your block or your neck of the woods. We need the remaining licensed professionals in acute care settings, so we need to extend their reach. Communities are rich with bright, skilled, passionate, unemployed neighbors who need work. As Russ said, highly visible, maybe the activists, maybe the opinion leaders, the people who others in the community are already going to for their opinion. We have a perfect storm and opportunity. Are we resourceful and proud enough to fund and create armies of promotoras and CHWs? I hope so. See the show notes for more information about community health workers in Alaska, Arizona, California, and Texas. Honor the caregivers, help the helpers. Thanks to Kayla Nelson, web and social media coach, and Joey Van Leeuwen, musician and arranger. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block.